left, right, left, right, left, marching, left, right, left, right, left, right, left, march, 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 march. Hey, what's going on, Warriors? Timothy Lawson here, host of Fuel for Warriors, a podcast brought to you by Lawson Entertainment and Lock and Load Java, where I bring on military veterans, athletes, and and others that embrace the warrior ethos. This week, we have Army veteran Tom Morcus on the show. I originally met Tom through the Veteran Empire podcast. I was on his show, In the Trenches, also high-speed, low-drag that he's involved in, and I thought that it would be great to bring him on the Fuelful Warriors and talk to him about what he has going on now that he's out of the military and how he's been able to use that discipline that he has through his warrior training as a soldier to bring him success now. Tom is a Tom has his own publishing company. He's a writer. He does many, many things, and there's a lot to learn from this guy. So I'm going to let Carl Churchill, the co-founder of Lock and Load Java, say a couple words, and we'll roll into my interview with Tom. Enjoy. Hey, Warriors. This is Carl Churchill, co-founder and chief coffee officer of Lock and Load Java. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our friend and fellow veteran Tim Lawson as he interviews risk takers who've embraced the warrior ethos. I know you'll love our guest today, and when you're finished with the episode, head over to LockAndLoadJava.com and use the coupon code FUELFORWARRIORS to receive a 10% discount on our premium coffee and cocoa. Stay motivated, my friends, and keep challenging yourself. All right, so today, today's guest, Tom Morcus, Army veteran, uh, overall great guy, globetrotter. Uh, I spoke about in the, in the intro, Tom, about how you were originally on Veteran Empire, and, and then I was on High Speed, Low Drag, which is something you're a part of, and then you had me on In the Trenches, and now you're back here on Fuelful Warriors. So you and I have collaborated a few times in the past year. Yeah, it's so funny that you mentioned it that way. Yeah, we've definitely been uh, been on each other's podcasts. That's pretty funny. Yeah, and it uh, it, it all comes from uh, a mutual friend of ours, uh, John Lee Dumas, who who was the one who originally connected us. So uh, it just to show that networking does great things. It does. Yeah, I completely agree. So Tom, we we spoke a little bit uh, in like a little pre-show banter uh, about about the focus of the show and you know talking about the warrior mentality. And this is a question that I actually haven't got a chance to directly ask any of my guests, so forgive me for making you the guinea pig on this question. <laughs> but when you think of a warrior, when you think of the warrior ethos, that mentality, what do you what do you envision? And it was is there a time you feel like you were living that? Gosh, that's a big question. Um, <laughs> that's a big question. I'm so, I know I should have prepared you, but I thought of it like this morning. I was like, "Oh, that's such a great question," and then I felt bad. Like, there's no way he's prepared for that that question. Uh, thankfully, this is podcasting. You can you can take a minute to think about it if you'd like. No, I'm gonna go right for it. Um, I I do my best thinking when I don't think. Um, so so yeah, I would say when when it comes to like my my picture of of the warrior ethos, um, I look at any person who stands for a set of ideals and and essentially won't compromise on them and so i guess that in in a lot of ways i guess i tie that back into my military experience in a lot of ways I, obviously they use the term warrior ethos in the army uh, and they they do instill us uh, their their 
they well at least they try to instill in everybody a sense of sense of that warrior ethos, so that that pride in a sort of a certain set of ideals, if you will, um, stuff like loyalty and duty, um, and and the, even when I think about West Point, I mean their whole the the subtitle of West Point basically is duty on our country, right? And so it's like these kind of ideals, it's being able to identify what they are, say what they are, and then understand what they mean, and then ba- basically upholding them. Um, that's that's kind of how I picture the warrior ethos to be. Um, and I guess specifically, too, I think there's also um, an underlying uh, principle to the warrior ethos, which is that um, you have to be able to, to fight for them, right? Whether you know whether it's live or die kind of thing in the, in the context of the military or, or some other kind of context. I think there's that important part of that you can't remove from that equation is the fact that sometimes you have to you have to fight to make sure that um, well you have to fight for your ideals and you have to fight for yeah. what you stand for. Um, not I'm not pitching violence here, but I'm definitely not pitching you know nonviolence. Um, if violence is necessary, sometimes it's necessary. So yeah, that that's that. And then what, I think there was like a second piece to that question, wasn't it? Yeah, so you know, you touched on a little bit like when you're in the military, but maybe there's a specific story that you can tell us when you feel like you're really experiencing that warrior mentality. Yeah. So for me, I guess I've, I guess I don't know. I, I guess I maybe am in a certain amount of like humility or or what have you. I, I've never really considered myself um, much of a, a a tough guy or anything like that. Um, or, but, but I guess, I guess in a lot of ways, I mean, that's, uh, I tried to live that, that ethos while I was in the military for sure, and still to this day. Like, I mean, I, there are certain things I won't compromise on. Um, I mean, period. And that's, uh, that's just, I, and I, 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 I also will fight for those ideals. Um, so while I was in the military, I mean, yeah, I, I definitely think I, I lived up to a certain amount of that, that worry ethos, at least I tried to. And definitely in the day-to-day life now, after the military, same deal. I mean, it's, there's certain things that I, I believe that I ought to, or that I stand for, and that I, I ought to. And if I stand for them, and if I, I believe that they're true, then I need to be willing to fight for them. And so, yeah, that's what I do, on, or I, I'm willing to do on a daily basis if I need to. If that makes sense, I know that's a little, yeah, little vague, no, a little nebulous, but hopefully that 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 answers the question. Yeah, and it, and it does, and I think that, you know, it's really easy to look at military veterans and anybody who has served and see or say that they're a warrior. Um, you want know, to be able to to connect that word or label them as such. But, you know, I think what you're saying is that mentality can transcend, you know, that demographic and go out, you know, I'm sure you, I'm sure you experience these same uh, ideas that you're explaining even now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think... It definitely transcends that because, you know, I, I think, Tim, you could agree with this, that, you know, just because you're in the military doesn't mean you, you necessarily stand for anything either. It's, it's you know, there's a good indicator that that might be the case. But I'm sure we've all known people in the military who were um, who probably shouldn't have been there. Right. Who probably sh- didn't didn't belong in the units that we were a part of um, and, and probably didn't deserve the pat on the back that a lot of guys did deserve. Right. So it's one of those. And then. Uh, Conversely, those just because you're not in the military doesn't mean that you can't um, live the certain type of principles and and live a certain type of and 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 imbibe the the war ethos and kind of and and basically live that. So no, it's I don't think it's mutually exclusive. I think yeah, I think for better or worse, I think military members, veterans, active duty um, get get a lot of credit for having that. But I think there's there's plenty of um, 
people in the civilian world who have never joined the military, have no interest in it, who definitely still live um, and have and, and really kind of live that warrior ethos. In my my mind, when I think of some people that I know in my life personally, I, I, that's how I view it. Sure. So what, the reason why I invited you to come on the show, Tom, is you – uh, I mean, it's it's in your tagline on your on your website, a disciplined approach to success. And I think when people think warriors, eh, I think our traditional vision of a warrior almost sometimes leans barbaric in a way. You know, we think of this, you know, we we think of like old school, like Spartan dudes, you know, that are just like just mm-hmm. running around shirtless, just slaying people. But I think today's today's warrior, especially one that uh, that has military experience, there is a lot of discipline that's involved in that mentality. And you know, I want to uh, let's start with what discipline are what sort of discipline are you using to approach success? Like mm-hmm. how how when you got especially when you got out of the military you know we have to recognize that most of my audience is you know veterans military you know that community uh and a lot of a lot of difficulty comes in they have this this warrior ethos but yet they're going out to you know a traditional um you know uh civilian life mm-hmm. and you know there ta- there's the same type of discipline needs to be made to be able to be successful, but it has to be adjusted uh, from like military bearing to, you know, like certain different types of discipline. Mm-hmm. So can you, can you talk about sort of your, your discharge from the military and when you recognized how to discipline yourself for that success? Yeah. So, okay. I know so, that was a winded question. Yeah, no, it's okay. Cause there's, there's a few things there and it's all, I'll do my best to hit on it, but I might go in some kind of tangent here. So bring me back if I do. But, the, we'll but a couple of things that, that stood out to me when you were asking that question, uh, one of them was the nature of the the transition from military to civilian, and I think the subtle uh, or the subtlety of the, the what's underlying that statement or that question was that that a lot of veterans have a difficult time reintegrating, quote unquote, whatever sure. whatever that really means, but. But we, you know, you know what it means. You know, you know at least conversationally, colloquially, we know what that means. Um, you know, getting a job in the civilian sector and 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 what have you. And I think the the reality is that the skill sets that you learn in the military they might not be directly applicable, but the the discipline itself is something that crosses whatever um, industry that you're working in. Right, the ability to work in extreme environments under in high pressure situations, um, and work inside uncertainty, and actually successfully achieve anything in that kind of environment, that crosses industries as well. It doesn't matter what you're doing if you can actually perform under high pressure situations. That there, I mean, you could work in any industry. It doesn't matter. Um, and so I think that's important. I also think that's why veterans make such good entrepreneurs too, um, in, in particular, because there's so much uncertainty, um, because there's a lot of high-pressure situations there. And so I think that's why they, they generally, in, in my case, and I'm stereotyping here, but I, I look at veterans and, and think to myself they are naturally, uh, or, or at least because of the skill sets they built up, maybe not naturally per se, but, but they built up the skill sets to be very successful in the realm of business and entrepreneurship. 
so there's that piece. I think that that every veteran has that to begin with, um, or they built it over time, and and they have they have an understanding. They have they and and I guess to clarify is that whether they know it or not, they have that ability. And so for those veterans who are out there and thinking, well, I don't, you know, I don't have, I, I was infantry, you know, for five, ten, twenty years. You know, I can't, you know, what job can I get? What what skill sets are applicable there? Well, I don't think it's the direct correlation. I don't think it's a direct transition from your job as an infantry, whatever you were, to you know, corporate America. I think it's it's the under it's the underlying things that you're that you have that really that real smart like savvy employers will look at it and understand. They'll see that you were able to to lead people that you could perform under high pressure situations. Those are all things that like it's really hard to instill in somebody in. It really, any 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 form, you know, any any part of life, and the reality is, as veterans, you kind of have this like leg up. It's it's almost unfair, this unfair advantage over everybody else because you've been forced to to deal with these kind of situations, to develop that discipline. And so, okay, getting from there to more to the question, when we apply discipline to our lives, I think it's just it's taking those principles that we learned in these high pressure situations. How do we deal with um, fear and uncertainty and and whatnot? And then also our ability to, to analyze situations, to prioritize, to develop timelines and backward plan, right? These are all things I, I feel like I take for granted that I'm just – it's just what I do naturally. And I feel like a lot of people are kind of in awe at that. Like, wow, Tom, you, you, you produce a lot of stuff or you're um, – you know, you create – you're constantly doing all this. Like, how do you manage it all? And it's not, it's not overwhelming to me because I look at things analytically. I backward plan. I set ship dates. Uh, it's all the stuff I learned in the military. You know, it's all stuff that I, I did in the military was planning and operations, stuff like that. Like I so I just take it for granted. And even at lower levels, even if you were just a squad leader, you still have to do that stuff. I, I, I know for a fact that's what happened, at least in, in my platoons and the companies I was a part of or led, was that at the lowest level, people have to do that kind of planning. So, you no, know, you couldn't get away with not doing it, even if you were like a squad leader or even if you were just, uh, you know, in a squad, you, you, you were responsible for something. You were responsible for some sort of planning, some sort of, you know, situation like that where you had to to figure things out in, in some realm of uncertainty. So I guess that really long-winded response, I don't know if I actually answered your question, Tim, but <laughs> I'm hoping I got close to it. You know, whether or not you did, I think you provided a lot of great material for the audience. So okay. we'll uh, we'll chalk it up as a win. No, I I think you I think you you definitely uh, answered it in in the way that I was looking for it. So what uh, what was that first step of success then that you saw coming out of the military? Like what? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's I think that's really important for veterans is is getting that first that first win that first bit of success to remind them or to show them what it looks like in the in the civilian world so what what was that for you mm. so for me it was actually i was still in the army while i was working on my stuff online so i actually started tomworkers.com about my last year in the military last year in the army and just did it in my spare time did some writing and stuff like that that's actually when i started publishing my own books and then that was pretty successful so Making so just when I put that in context for people listening, when I say pretty successful, let me put it this way: I wrote for a long time. I developed this blog. I, I, I put in a ton of time and all my spare time I devoted to this thing. And over the course of six months, I don't think I made a dime from it. But then the first book I launched that I actually allowed people to pay me for, I made it pay what you want. And the first month I had that, I put that out there. I made five hundred dollars. Um, so again, from a, a, a book, an ebook that people didn't have to pay for. 
I made $500 that first month. And I remember thinking, okay, this is possible. And so just taking that, that, that little success. That was still while I was in the Army. But it was like that little success was the light bulb I needed to say that, one, my writing is good enough that people you know, will pay for it. Two, that people will pay even if they don't have to, which is kind of this other light bulb in, in terms of pay what you want pricing and doing these kind of unconventional um, pricing techniques that I still use to this day. Um, so, yeah, those, that was, those were the two – you know, that was a pretty big win in the beginning. So um, that was – yeah, that was some of the early success I had. And then when I got out, it was uh, – it's been a – it's been a – a challenge, man. I'll be honest with you. So going from that little win, $500 is great, right, as a little win, but it's not great if, if that's the only income you have, right? So yeah. it's not like – but I, I instead of instead of uh, getting a corporate job or, or doing the, the standard transition to um, you know corporate management, which is what a lot of officers do, I was like, you know what? That's the last thing I want right now. I want to at least attempt to do something on my own. I had this little taste of success publishing so i was like i'm gonna see what i can do this year publishing and so really the first few months i was out of the army i mean i struggled to break like a thousand dollars a month and it wasn't until maybe like six months in that i started to see the fruits of my labor and see that start to compound and then all of a sudden i had my first three thousand dollar a month and then my first five thousand dollar a month and then my first ten thousand dollar a month and all of a sudden i was like okay cool i'm finally to that point in my life working on this over the past you know year and a half since i've been out that I'm like, okay, I'm making a decent decent amount of money where I can live and maybe even save a little bit. But, I mean, really, yeah. for the last year and a half, that's not been the case. It's been, like, just making enough to get by um, and, and stuff like that and, to, and, and reinvesting a ton of the money back into the business to make it keep making money. So it's been tough. I mean, it's been, it's been, a, it's been a journey. Yeah, so, you know, you're, you're at the time of this recording, you're currently in Thailand. Correct. And you've been you've been uh you've been glow trotting a bit. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people could look at like could glamorize that, like, oh look at you have you have this opportunity to travel. Mm-hmm. I look at it as, oh, you're you're working online in these more affordable areas. Yeah. Uh does does being where you are actually make it more possible for you to maintain this lifestyle because of the you know, you can maintain the quality of life at a much uh more affordable rate? Well, that's what's so funny is like, yeah, that's exactly it. Like you have the perspective, I think, because well, I don't know why you have that perspective, but it's the right perspective. It's it's the thinking outside of the the conventional frame of, oh, well, if you're if you're not renting some, you know, you know, 500 foot condo in some city and working in some managerial position or whatever or some factory or something like that, then you're not taking your your you're not taking it seriously or something like that. And so I think I think that might be how it comes off to some people that because I'm traveling that that maybe I don't take the stuff as seriously, but the reality is is what you said, it's actually cheaper for me to travel abroad and work than it is for me to rent a place in most parts of the United States for example. And now the reality yeah. is I actually own own a few properties, but I rent them all. So I make all that passive income from my property rentals. I'm doing the publishing online, so my entire business is online. I don't need to be stationary, and I found that my the dollar, the parity over here, it's it's the U.S. dollar goes so much further over in Thailand, for example, than it does in the United States, even further in places like Cambodia. Um, and the reality is, I can live so cheaply over here. Um, so yeah, there's that. Like I obviously love the travel piece as well, but from a financial standpoint, just from a, it it just it absolutely makes sense in where I'm at in my life right now. Um, to awesome. be doing that, to like live very cheaply, to still have this great experience of being able to travel, 
um, to all these amazing locations because there's no way I'd be able to do this, you know, at other times in my life. Maybe, maybe in the future, but I don't want to. I don't want to be one of those people that waits and then it never comes. So yeah, I hope that answers the question. Absolutely, and I think this goes back to we can tie this in with your idea of a disciplined approach to success. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine that when you started running around the world, that it took a little discipline to still focus on the business while enjoying the place that you were at. How, how, what was that transition like? Yeah, well, yeah. The, so the, the biggest challenge there then is, is I think, well, it's, it's a lot of this, it's the same challenge you would have maybe if I was, if I was stationary one, one spot and working for myself, right? And I was, and I had my own business and you're starting your own thing. And so you're the head of your own company. Now what do you do? Well, what do I do today? What do I do tomorrow? What should I be working on? What shouldn't I be working on? Where should I emphasize? Like, where should I put my time and money? Or those are all those are all challenges that anybody will have, no matter where they at. So I had those same challenges, but then on top of that, I had an inconsistent schedule. So we moved around a lot. Um, so there was like I lacked predictability, um, and there were a few other struggles like that, like limited Wi-Fi in certain certain locations, um, and and so stuff like that, right? So the reality is that just adds these extra layers of maybe more complexity. But that's okay because the way I built everything is – because of that, it's been a forcing function for me to build Insurgent Publishing and build my publishing company and to build these other things that I've built in such a way that they can, one, most of the time at least operate without me. Two, ideally, they're built in such a way that I, I guess I would call maybe um, built as, you know, asymmetrically or something like that where I don't have to be on at a certain time to do what I do. So that I can write and publish and I can do all these things and I can do it off hours, off of traditional business hours. And that's how I built it, right? So I don't commit to things that are like certain certain hours every day, for example. Um, you know, I don't, so, I don't, you know, like nine to five in the States or something like that. Like I don't need to do that. I don't need to be in a specific spot. So really I've just built everything in such a way that I have that flexibility and that's, that makes that actually opens up a lot of time and space for me. Right. So before we get into our our last two questions, um, so what, you know, I'm sure people are curious because uh, again, you said when you're when you're in the states and you have that condo and you're working a regular nine to five, your your day structured for you. You know where you're supposed to be and when you're supposed to be working, et cetera, like that. So when you're when you're overseas and you're sort of on your own hours, on your own terms, stuff like that, living in these you know exotic locations. Uh, you know, wh- how many hours a day do you think you are putting into uh, into your business? Um, I track everything. So I use Toggle. Um, it's a free app, Toggle.com, T-O-G-G-L.com. And I I'm recommend it down it. right now. Yeah, I'd recommend everybody use something like that to just track their time. So I'll plug in what I'm working on, press record, and it'll time me as I do it, basically. So I do that for everything. And I do that for all the projects I'm a part of. I have, it seg- I have every project. Um, and you can you basically identify projects in that. So I, I can break everything down. I can segment it basically by project, and then I can create these really elaborate reports on what I've worked on, how much time I put into each project, and so on and so forth. So based on that, I don't track necessarily all my time. Sometimes I'll spend you know minutes or hours on email that I don't track. So sure. there's that tertiary stuff. Then sometimes if I'm just doing like brainstorming or or other types of work that doesn't make it on. So conservative estimate is I probably work. 60 hours a week toggle time, which is, say, stuff that I'm practically, you know, tracking, but probably over that. So I think conservatively 60 hours, but the reality is a lot more than that. Um, I I spend – I probably probably spend probably like 10 hours 
a day working, um, six to seven days a week um, in reality. So, Tom, we, we've got a chance to to learn about you, learn a little bit about your business, at least how you approach it professionally, how you're managing your life and whatnot. So let's then ask the the first uh, of two questions. What what challenges are you facing in, in your current circumstance, whether it's personally or professionally? Uh, what challenges are you noticing are sort of coming up daily, weekly, in some sort of routine, and how are you addressing them? My biggest struggle right now is time management, I suppose. Well, no, I won't say time management. I think I manage my time just fine. It's an overwhelming number of projects that I'm working right now, or almost overwhelming. So I'm, I'm in that position where I, in a very good way, I have a lot of business right now. Um, but in a bad way, I don't have the infrastructure right now to support it. As in, I'm still basically a solo operator, even for my publishing company. I just contract out the different pieces of work that I need done. So I do a lot of, I, I contract out a lot of work, but the reality is it's just, that's not as easy as it would be if I had some full-time employees. So I'm at that position now. That's how I'm planning to, to handle that um, with all these different things that I do, all these different projects I'm working on. Um, they're just getting to the point where it's, it's just a little bit too, too tough on me. And I, and I, and I need to basically just outsource this stuff or, or um, better than outsource if I can get some employees um, to help me grow this business. So that's, that's how I'm going to be fixing or solving that problem. Cool. I, I have a virtual assistant. Uh, she works anywhere between five and 10 hours a week. And it's just enough for me to only focus on the things that are really important to me. And the little ideas that I have that sometimes we can get fixated on, you know, um, I can just sort of ask her to do something with it. So I know somehow it's being exercised, but I can keep focusing on what I'm doing. And it sounds like maybe that's something you could really benefit from. Yep, and I'm going to talk to you offline about that to see how you handle somebody at, at 5 to 10 hours a, a week because that's another one of my principles. I love things that are bootstrapped, meaning I, I prefer to scale from something simple to, to the more, more complex things. I don't want to rush into creating a lot of overhead for the business right away, whether it's with employees or software or whatever. So that's also one of the things that keeps me very kind of cautious. And I think why I'm in this predicament, though, too, is because I'm like, um, I, I'm, I am a little fearful of like bringing out too much and then having to figure out ways to support that or something like that. Um, so I'm like taking it very slow. But now, of course, that's the, the problem. I'm the I'm the um, choke point now for a lot of the production of what I'm doing. So I need to figure out a way to alleviate that. Absolutely. So final question. The show is called Fuel for Warriors. We talk to uh, anybody who resonates with the idea of being a warrior. We talk to them about what fuels them. So, Tom, what inspires you? What's getting you up in the morning? What's getting you working at that conservative 60 hours a week? What keeps you going? Yeah, so what keeps me going is the the fact that I, I well, I, I believe that I'm building something that's going to be hugely valuable in the next three to five years, that it's going gonna, it's gonna to provide for me the type of lifestyle that I want, um, freedom, flexibility, um, bringing enough income to support me and my family, to save, to invest. And I'm starting to get that traction. So it's a reminder every day that I'm getting the traction and that, you know, even though it seemed impossible two years ago, I'm already at a point where I'm, I'm pretty darn comfortable and it's getting, it's getting better uh, financially, which is pretty cool. So, yeah, the, the big, big vision is, is just that I can build something here that will really provide the lifestyle that I want for my family and myself. Wonderful. Tom, 
it was a real pleasure talking to you for the for the fourth time on a podcast. Uh, but what's nice is we've been able to bring a different conversation, a different message each time that we've talked. And I yeah. think that's uh, that's uh, that's that's why. That's why I bring on repeat guests because I know there's a, there's a new conversation to be had with that person. I really appreciate you joining me, talking to our fellow warriors here in the audience, and just letting us get a little peek into your life. My pleasure, Tim. Thanks so much for having me on the show. I'm Law Dog on behalf of Carl, Lori, and the rest of us here at Lock and Load Java. Thank you for listening. Left, right, left, right, left. Right, left, march When I wanna give it, feel like quitting Something keeps living inside me, keeps yelling Tell me push on, push harder past the limit It's no time for the giving and stick to it when I'm giving them It's my all and so they march for the sergeant Ready to give it all up for the cause and just charge it When I tell them to let it loose with the weapons You blasting it down the mannequin backing off what they never do Never give up, not without a fight Just to save a life, they would die, give their life March, 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 march.